You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Jimmy Hoffman. I'm one of your esteemed hosts here at Lost and Rewound. And I'm here to tell you guys about a wonderful opportunity where you can support the arts. That's right. This stuff doesn't come cheap. There's lots of equipment that goes into making this production happening and then blasting it out onto the sound waves. And in order to do that, we need the help from listeners like you. That's right. You can pledge. How do I do this, you may say? Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. You can give any amount, anything you feel comfortable with. If you'd like to give a dollar, two dollars, twenty dollars, you can go onto that website. You can also go and sponsor our show at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash L-A-R. Thank you guys so much for all your donations and your contributions. We really do appreciate your help in pushing forward this great dream of ours to really take a hold of the First Amendment. Isn't that the one where we talk? Yeah. Time to get embarrassed with us. Thanks so much again for coming back and listening to us here on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are Lost and Rewound, and I am Alon. And I am Jimmy. Not Jalon. You, I know you were waiting for me to say it. Jalon Hamsinger. Jalon Hamsinger. This is I'm I'm Alon's alter ego. He he, <laughs> he he has been cut from the same cloth. He's like I, a slice of my DNA. Someone is, asked about what I was going to be for Halloween the other day. I was thinking, Yo, Jalon Hamsinger. I. <laughs> What, what, what would your voice be if you were Jalon Hamzinger? What would your voice be if you were Jalon Hamzinger? <laughs> <laughs> so that's my Elon impression. <laughs> for those who are uh, not accustomed to our banter, thanks for enduring the banter. And if you're not familiar, Lost and Rewound is a show uh, that we broadcast every week here from the confines of the basement in Bushwick, where we uncover tapes. We uncover tapes, tapes, and more tapes, and maybe even something that isn't a tape. But most importantly, what we strive for is listening to old audio, of which may or may not be something you are comfortable playing for the whole world to listen to. Without further ado, let's hear what we have this week. You ready? Oh yeah, of course I'm ready. Let's do it. Here we maintain our motto that it is time to get embarrassed with us. 
Our guest is no stranger to that M.O. David Lawson is putting himself out there, no holds barred, on a weekly basis, if not every other night. You've heard him on the podcast Risk. You've seen him at Mortified, at Littlefield. He's practically a fixture on the New York City storytelling scene. He regularly performs at classy establishments like The Pit, QED, and he even hosts his own storytelling night every second Tuesday of the month at the Astoria Bookshop. Welcome to Lost and Rewound, David Lawson. Oh, my God. Thank you. What a nice intro. Thank you very much. A nice person deserves a nice intro, sir. I appreciate that. I am... uh... Oh boy, go cannot wait to dive into this uh terrible mini musical that I <laughs> wrote six years ago and on a drunken night sang into my computer. You know oh, yes. That's one thing I'm glad that you brought up. Um the fact that it is so recent gives you gives us pause to be like, hmm, we usually go with the old but we know that you have stuff out there. This is just the beginning for David Lawson's contributions to Lost and Rewound. I got to look around. I grew up in Annandale, Virginia, 15 miles outside of Washington, D.C., and I got to look around at, at my folks' place because I know I have a cassette tape much more in line with what you guys do of me just going like, and then in the background you hear my father going, shut the hell up in there. <laughs> That's so brilliant. I think the fact that the tape you brought, though, you're drunk in it, that helps with the whole lost and rewound aspect. Oh, of course, of course. Because I won't remember any of it. Well, honestly, it's not a tape, though, to be fair. It yes. is it's a recording, like a computer it's recording. A rec- it's a computer recording, and your computer recording existed as a means to put something that you had written on paper into audio form. Absolutely. You are originally from Virginia. How long have you been telling stories? I got into this whole thing through doing one-man shows. I did my first one about ten years ago. Um, and I've lived in New York City for eight years. And uh, when you were in college, was there any sort of involvement that you had with doing some kind of performing arts at all? Oh, absolutely. I went to Emerson College in Boston. I studied, oh. I studied theater. Oh. Did we yeah. Did we not cover we this? We did not. Yeah, I went there as well. Actually. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. What, what year were you? Oh, my God. What a great a revelation. <laughs> we, did, we did not cover this before. I think that actually means that we might have been at school the same. I was, I was 10. Okay, yeah. It was 2008. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so we were there at the same time. That's man, fun. That's too funny. Man. This is not the first time. My roommate, who I'll say his name off mic later uh check the innocent i we have this we have the same thing though uh we both were there at the same time we never knew each other it's only like three thousand kids there like my high school i applied the there i wanted to go there yeah really i they totally rejected my didn't ass. have the shops a lot nope. oh and i would act like a cool thing but uh i i <laughs> i uh i didn't have a great did you have a good time there josh uh, my name is Jim, but... <laughs> Did I really... Oh. No, but you know what's so funny is, is that Zach was Jeff, wasn't he? And you were Josh? Yes, I was Josh. On the, on the, the journey? the tape that I brought Jim, in. Jim, I think I'm like, my skin's crawling over here because I'm just like, when are we, am I going to have to hear this horrible recording at some point? We're getting there. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah, we'll, but I did, not, I did not have too good of a time. I'm glad I went to Emerson. Uh, it, yeah. it exposed me to all sorts of things. Um, like, I would take these like drama lit class. I had no clue who Samuel Beckett or Tony Kushner. Sure. What did you study there, Jim? I did one for film. Okay. Did, I mean, did you see anything? They were just like, I have no clue this existed. Or, uh, I mean, 
Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I got I got wisdom. There were people who came down and handed life lessons to me, and I got uh, that too. Yeah, but yeah, but I don't know that I was anything I saw with my eyes that I was super amazed about. Oh, okay, I definitely was impressed when I had a professor, and I don't know why, but people like challenged him, and they were like, "What have you done? What did you do?" And he was like, "I produce Space Jam," and we just <laughs> it was unlimited respect from there. Like, All we, right, we, we took everything he said as like as the just. The, the word of God. So in Everson, uh, being you know somebody who was taking drama lit classes, I'm sure they must have taken you to see some musicals or like go to see live theater quite often. I had actually not seen a lot of theater until I went to college, and uh, I still have not seen that many musicals. But I, I got my mind blown a few times in a Emerson class. We watched Anna Devere Smith's Fires in the Mirror, which is nothing like what I do now. But that was the first time I ever knew. That's Anna Devere Smith's show about the Crown Heights riots, which actually are turning 25 okay. the week we're recording this. I had no clue that uh, one person alone on stage could do anything but tell jokes until I saw that. That was mind-blowing to me. I'd never seen a one-person show like yeah. that. And that was in a freshman class I had at Emerson, which is why I didn't have a great time at Emerson. I didn't make a lot of friends, but I got just my mind blown by all these things I was exposed to there. And that was definitely one of them. You were exposed to the world of one-person shows, and that sort of set the sort of the trajectory for what you do now in some effect. Absolutely. Again, I am not playing 60 characters talking about race relations in America. <laughs> well, you did make this musical as a sort of one-person show. What frame of mind were you in in this time of your life? You were 25, you were saying? I was, you tw- I was 25 years old uh, when I wrote Solar is the Word, the musical. I had this roommate, this buddy of mine, uh, and I'll say his full name, Sam Sherwood, a good friend of mine. And we were like, we should write a mini musical together. Because I did one-man shows, and I also wrote a lot of plays around this yeah. time. I still write plays, not as much. It's mostly the one-man show and then doing 10-minute storytelling sets and stuff like that. I said to him, let's do this. And I wrote all these songs, and I demoed them, basically. This wasn't supposed to be a one-person thing. I'm, like, singing the demos for him to actually composed the songs based on and he did a little bit of one song and then it kind of fell to the wayside he is like a a musical theater road warrior how did you meet him i met him doing Summerstock theater in new hampshire okay yeah and he was your roommate and he was into musical theater and you were latching onto him as someone to help inspire you to be more involved in the musical theater i mean the main reason i really wanted to bring this in is it's such an example of being in your mid-20s and taking a shot on a totally different medium and the results are just hilariously bad not to discourage anyone at any age from trying something new you can't be a master of all trades or whatever jack of all whatever the saying goes (laughs) jack of all masters jack of all masters uh and yeah I wasn't sure how to divide this, but we have six tracks altogether. I'm just terrified you're going to play like a whole three-minute thing, and someone's going to be like, I'm done listening to We'll this. listen to them one at a time, All right. and then I've heard them, but it's never a surprise when I listen to something a second time and find something that I didn't hear the first time. So it's just as fresh of an ears. Jimmy has not heard anything. And I just want to say, I played like 15 seconds of this before sending it to you to be like, how rough is this going to be? And I'm like, I think I can get by. Uh, so that's all I've so listened we shall, to. So we shall see. That. Let's do oh, it. We shall hear. Let's get rough. What do you do when you're down and blue, when it's cold as hell and you're way past two? 
God, give me the reason that you gave us this season And why in Minnesota the season's never over Good God, winter's boring. I pine for global warming. Melt the ice caps and fuck the ozone layer. Winter, winter, what's winter give you? Frostbite, depression, influenza. I've been here all my life in this winter is strife and change isn't coming my way. I'll make things change, a plan I've arranged. Someday you will see somewhere warm I will be. Gonna go soon, be on the moon It's crazy, but don't knock it Been building this here rocket Draw the plans, coffee filters and cans Then I'll be where it's warm Where I'm free on the sun That's where I'll be Okay, uh, that was gorgeous Your singing voice is just Please fantastic Please don't, don't even No, <laughs> Please it is Please God, don't even do- Thank you, but no thank you It's like, that's all I have to say to that Oh, oh man. my what, God So where's the, where's the musical accompaniment? Uh, this is just me like, oh, I'm doing It's the, the demo, dude, like, come oh, on Hey Sam, hey Sam uh, SherwoodSounds.com, by the way Because he does this, he arranges stuff yeah. um, And he like does it professionally We're buddies and I sent this to him, and I remember him just being, uh, David, the phrasings of this are awful. You don't know anything of what, you, what you're doing. You don't know, I, I didn't know anything about musical theater. He's just like, well, I can't write. You're, you, like, you got to stick within a certain phrasing in sure. a song. But I just want to uh, say that uh, as uh, humiliating <laughs> as it is, it's just like I took this shot on this, this medium that I really, I, I've seen very few musicals in my life. Like, some people are like, book smart about musicals like, yeah uh, like i am i am not encyclopedic either i should I, be but I, I saw, i'm not i saw cats yeah. that's cool yeah that's i saw like, that once too that's like legit <laughs> i don't know jack about what i was doing but the one thing that made me want to bring this in is just because i still think the premise is is hilarious i'm gonna read the premise that you sent me when we, we originally were in touch about this project you had said it was about a woman living in a freezing place who couldn't wait for global warming to, quote, make the world better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does one come up with this idea? Was there something you saw on the news I was like, I need to create a story that people can relate to in a musical theater realm about global warming? This has not been done this yet. This is Al Gore. Al Gore had that idea, too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just wanted to do... Like, I don't want to say politically incorrect, but just like a, a musical about something very wrong. Like sure. About, a, I think this might have been inspired. A friend of mine said that he heard some like NPR thing when they were talking to people in Moscow about global warming. And one guy said, I do not like the cold. This is a good thing. <laughs> And I was like, well, I'll send yes. this woman in this the guy upper. Is, this guy's my man. Yeah, right? I mean. <laughs> And I was just like, "That's a, I want to hear that character's point of view. And you know what? And I, I didn't even mention this. I didn't realize this until you just played that. I have her build a rocket to send her to the sun uh-huh. <laughs> because she, cause she's so eager for global warming. This is actually the last song in this. I do remember, and I'm not cheating. I didn't play it. Is uh, basically advice for you, uh, the viewer in the yep. theater, to speed up global warming. Uh huh. Well, it's burning fossil fuels. Exactly. Like, That's perfect satire like right to there. To go dump oil down the. Exactly. And I don't know if I had any agenda towards that. I was just like, how about I write a pro global warming uh, musical? I don't think it's a bad thing. I think you could absolutely take the right approach when you are putting a politically incorrect 
position and being cheeky about it. Yeah. We see that all the time. It everywhere. definitely reminds me of uh, Springtime for Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know? it's like the inconvenient truth version of Springtime for exactly, Hitler. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Wow, that just has a box office written all over it. <laughs> We've got a hit on our hands. Let's just take a 10-year-old movie at a musical that was big 15 years ago. I mean, and... imagine if Al Gore was the singing host. Hey, that should have been what he would, would do. Doesn't he have some he would kind be, of a stake? You know what? I'm going to go world? ahead and say, I'll take the compliment about my singing voice. I probably have a better singing voice than Al Gore. Most likely. I'm going to say that. I'm going to put that out there. But if he'd been singing during that campaign, we'd be calling him President Gore. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if he showed up to every like campaign event like, I'm here to tell you <laughs> about global stuff. And then Joe Lieberman comes in with the bridge. I don't understand why we can get along <laughs> when I just want to sing this song. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. And Bush sucks. <laughs> I thought global warming was a dated issue and talking Gore Lieberman is like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real. Well, you said Lieberman, too. I, it was one of those things that my brain had purposefully erased. So thank you for jogging that memory. Where is that man? I do not care. Yeah, I exactly. I don't really care either. I'm a, I'm a uh, Alan. I know you are. I'm a yid myself. Yep. And, and uh, growing up, because I was in high school and that happened, it was like, oh my god, it's the first first Jew to be on a major ticket. And I was like, oh, but it's 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 not like a cool one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Lenny Bruce is vice president. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Yo, Le- I hated him. I hated him so much. You know, and I think it was because my middle name is Lieberman and I just Really? Yeah, and so I felt he misrepresented Le- the Lieberman clan. <laughs> Damn, dude. That's rough. See, I, I I feel like I have not gone wrong with the name Hoffman. Well, like all no. the Hoffmans are like Academy Award winning actors. Yeah. One of them rides BMX. Like we're, we're doing well for ourselves. One of them even started a car wash that happened to employ me for maybe, I don't know, four months. Oh, really? Didn't what? one of them invent LSD too? Who? What? Abby Hoffman. Abby, I was about to say, Abby Hoffman wrote Steal This Book, right? Yeah. I used to read that all the time back in the day. No, it's not Abby Hoffman. There was a different Hoffman. Different Hoffman? No, ho- yeah. No, the only Hoffman that was a bad one was uh, Hitler's photographer. Ooh. <laughs> wow, that's a, yeah, a yitty last name for the How Hitler's. How do you know that? My name is German, so I was like, I got to find out where in Hitler's pantheon of, of you know, his pals. Hitler's pals. <laughs> There's got to be one Hoffman. I, I just had a feeling. Let's let's stay on track here. We got a second track we have to hear right, right now. Let's do it. I feel the vibration, beautiful radiation, a feeling like I've never felt before. The light seems so blinding, but still I am smiling. Just started, but I only want more. Can it be? Can it be? Success finally. Living life without strife, living casually. Basking all day in vitamin D Outside my front door Where I'm free, where it's warm, where I'm home The sun, the sun, fiery golden sun I've reached you, I'm with you at last No more pain, no more tears, no more oil and gears Those things are not a part of my past Where it's hot, 
where it's fun on the glorious sun. I love to live this way. Hang about, never pout, live with no doubt, dancing all day in the rays. No more pain, no more tears, no more oil and gears. So happy to call this place home. But I wish, yes I wish, oh so humbly wish that I wasn't oh so alone. It's very telling to know that we can hear something like this in such a hot climate as August in New York City and feel and some some kinship with this character. <laughs> Somewhat, yes. Basking in the rays. I like how uh, you so you added a little reverb, right, to give it a, a song, a I, sing-song I, quality? I, I think so. I'm not sure. I should, by the way, stress that I wrote this sober. This was something I worked on for a while, but these demos, I just was like, one night I was right, like, I'm gonna do it doesn't it. seem like you were drunk when you were doing it. No, no, no. Yeah. Because I know, that, yeah, you want to add some reverb when someone's singing for sure, but because there's no instrumentation, it sort of seems like you're just in this white room by yourself singing these songs off into the distance as if you'd never seen the sun. In an insane asylum in a padded white room. I want to be in the sun, like in the sun. I'm just going to build a rocket. I think in the earlier song made of coffee filters and cans. Yep. Yeah, and just make a rocket. Make a rocket ship out of all the junk you can find. See, that's, uh, to me, the idea of a pro-global warming musical, that sounds kind of funny, but then when you have someone like inexplicably going to the sun... Is what, what happens in this? That's when the pitch meeting is, is like they all look at each other like, "All right, Lin Manuel Miranda, this is not gonna happen." <laughs> no, I, I like I like it. I think it's high concept. Well, thank you. Wow. What is the living situation for twenty five year old David Lawson? Okay, so this is actually a great story, and one I don't get to tell a lot on stage. I don't know why. I live with two guys who I met that summer through summer stock, and both of them would book work out of town. Uh, this guy, Taylor Miller and Sam Sherwood, both incredibly good actors. Taylor's always getting theater gigs out of town. Sam Sherwood, to this day, is still like a musical theater road warrior. He's in New York for like two months out of the year, just booking road work all Solid, the time. Solid, yeah. But I lived in the living room behind Soji screen walls <laughs> because it was $350. Soji screen? Wait, I, I, I think no. I know what they are, but I don't They're know. They're like rice paper. You yeah. would know them. Oh. If you, if you yeah, saw yeah, 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 and I yeah. like had like a fake wall and it was so cheap and I did it for years I'm familiar now oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there I had a place the same way just a rat hole for cheap cheap and I was I did it for years the same way because that price you just can't you know it's New York man yeah and I had uh, I mentioned they were on the road all the time because it was so I had I lived with 12 people in three years because they would sublet all the time to all that's crazy yeah so that was that was a wild um, a wilder time in my life you're you know? living with two guys who are musical theater people they're obviously with their own crazy schedule and so, I'm not by the way so like, you have the place to yourself a lot uh no because they are subletting to strangers with names <laughs> like Warren. And Josh. You heard that, Warren? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, maybe you're that's on, what I was thinking of when notice. I called you Josh earlier. It's hard for me to trust someone named Warren. Yeah. But I, but I really like that name. So I, I would sometimes have the place to myself, but a lot of the time I'd be like behind rice paper in the living room. They actually both knew more about musical theater than me. Maybe that's why I decided to go from like doing the one-man show about porn that I was doing to be like, let's write a musical together. 
And it's funny because today I would still do the one-man show about porn. I still do one-man shows about stuff like that. There's a show here on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you haven't listened to it yet, called The Porno Jim Show. I know that guy, Jim Graham. I've actually seen his one-man show a few years ago. Pretty awesome. I think that's the same story of um, the writers of The Lion King. I think it was, you know, one-man show about porn, and then they were like, let's write a musical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how about this side project? Uh... Oh, you know, oh, yeah, let's do Hamlet with lions, and, and let's forget doing this show at Dixon Place about porn. What are we doing, man? <laughs> let's try to make the real bucks, man. Yeah. You have a three-bedroom, or sorry, a two-bedroom. You're in the living room. You're making this musical either with people there or not there. With Sam. We were going to work on it together. In fact, I But almost, was he there when you were recording? And, and yeah, he wasn't there when I did these demo tracks, but when I sent it to him, he was the one who was just like, this makes no sense. There's nothing much to compose around. You recorded it on your computer. I recorded it on my computer, and I gave it to him. And he did instrument, instrumentation, look how much I know, uh, for one of these songs. I actually was thinking this week about asking him for uh, just it was just piano playing, but hey, uh, but that's something, and it could we could probably just uh, lay, lay, lace it in and put, like put it down. I think solar is the word. It will never. This is the this is going to be the end of solar is the word. This is its uh, radio free Brooklyn is going to be the highest this <laughs> material will ever get. That's the way it is. The dance zone. I hear yeah. that um, <laughs> because global warming isn't real, right? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, exactly. It's what I, it's 2016. We I mean, all let's be real. Let's just be real now. We now all know this. Uh, Trump's going to win, and it's not real global warming. And, Knock and, on wood. Dude. I mean, but the global warming will be good for the lizard people, though. It, it, actually, it will be. This is true. They like that. They need to be in the sun times of the day. You know, there will be more rocks for real estate that will be living under. Oh well. Maybe for $350. $350 to be under a rock. Yeah, you know, that's going to be the new uh, Soji screen in the living room. You I got actually... a stick pad, man. How long have you been under that rock for? I hear it's cold under the See, rocks. the thing about the thing about living in a place with Soji screens in the living room, it's not like I've ever been like Don Juan or anything, but the few times I've ever been in the situation back in the day when I was living there, when it was like, well, your place or mine, I'd be like, your place, your place. Yeah. Your place, your place, your place. Yours, your place. I like you. Your place. Every woman loves it when you say it just like that. And then she responds, well, there's a little bit of a problem here because I'm behind a Soji screen, so I don't really have a bedroom. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, then that's true love right I there. I feel like women do that more often than men do. What? The Soji, the Soji screen? Soji screen deal. I've seen that. I I've believe it. Before, man. Yeah. Come on. I had a girlfriend who lived on the top. It was a loft, like a uh, four-bedroom, converted four-bedroom. Her bedroom was on top of everybody else's. So every time I'd visit her, I would crouch down because I lived effectively above two bedrooms that were built in the loft space. And there was this floor through above of which was her bed. And she was a very short lady. So she was able to live up there with no actually issue. walk around and not bang her head, but anyone else would. Tim Burton-esque, man. The person like living in this little room with like, <laughs> the wall to the roof ceiling just above their head. That's well, really funny. Yeah, I mean. That just kind of makes me How many me total laugh. people in this apartment? There were four people. The partition with all the bedrooms dividing the kitchen and the living room of which faced out with the huge windows and then the kitchen faced inward and there was the bathroom and then one of the bedrooms which was tiny was on the inward area where the hallway was in between both sections and then there were two bedrooms that the doors faced going towards the living room. So, Yikes. My at gut, any rate. My gut turns here in that because I'm imagining that place is like a teeny, like living on top of each other type of thing. 
The McKibben lofts are luckily very uh, large, but uh, unfortunately, as time has gone on, I could be just speaking complete and utter secondhand gossip, but from my understanding, they are dirty as hell. Ah. Or just mismanaged, Wow, say. I can't Delicious. believe a bad landlord in this <laughs> oh, man. I couldn't tell you. Off of uh, Myrtle Avenue, not too far from where we are right now, I, yeah. I, and I have talked about it on stage, I did do a month sublet in a 10-bedroom converted warehouse. What? And that was uh, that was an insane month of my life. When was that? When was that? When was that? Oh, January two thousand nine. That was like month six in New York City. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's move on from the real estate and let's go on to the next clip. Let's do it. Before everything, and I mean everything, the man's making his plan. He took action, a noble draftsman, and he fashioned every human, gave them faces, put them in places to see how they would fare. Places you see, diverse and free, blazing winds, whirling snows, red sands, mounting fires, mounting flares, placing each carefully in each land intricately, yet they all failed the test. By the heat they were oppressed, each creation he'd admired was so quickly expired, he hoped that it could work, so he took a vacation. So he, he hoped that it would work, so he could take a vacation. Instead his creations met with asphyxiation, leaving him questioning his vocation. And it makes me wince, cause ever since those rough drafts fall remained in your night sky, blighted my eye, so useless, so unrefined. One day I gave it a try, knowing full well I could die, to the sun I would go. They said I couldn't, but I had to know if all his work was for naught. Coffee filters did the trick, took me to the sun right quick. When I arrived, there was no doubt in my mind, I had reached the place that I belonged. The sun, the sun, fiery golden sun, a place where joy has no end. No more pain, no more tears, only smiles and cheers, no problems or grief to amend. You yeah. could hear me typing because I think one of the lyrics was messed up. I actually, listening to that, remembered going on Google and typing in a word and rhymes with and then picking the next word. That's the that every great lyricist, as we know, in the history of musicals, has used a Google rhyming dictionary. Uh huh. Oh my Wins god! Since since see the the thing, that was brilliant. You know, I'm just now remembering that they they this woman gets to the sun in Solar is the word, and this is like this character is like a like oh we live on the sun. We were just like you. Oh, you did the coffee filters and the cans. <laughs> That's how we got here too. Oh my god! Biodegradable baby. Oh my man! You know, I wish that I would have been born like silver spoon of some Broadway conglomerate master person. So this could have gotten a wider audience and become a massive flop. Who is Jerry, though? I think Jerry is like the, I, I'm here on the sun, too. And not the protagonist, but... Mindy, I think, is the name of the protagonist. And so Jerry's supposed to be Jerry, love interest of protagonist no, or no, friend? Jerry is like, the, I made it to the sun and you made it to the sun also. Welcome to the sun. Isn't this a great story, Mindy? <laughs> I, I feel like there's a secret underlying message behind it that that you're just gonna die. Everything will be <laughs> everything will be so great because you'll be dead. So you have no troubles, no fears, no worries because you'll be incinerated. And 
I think that's that's the undercurrent that to me really like that is like the real message of this thing is like yeah everything will be great if we just do terrible stuff because we'll no one will be here. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's like a beautiful take on this. In Mother Russia, in little tiny town of which is coldest city in the world, they would love to be charred by sun. <laughs> <laughs> or just like if you're gonna die, why not die in a warm place? And what's warmer than the sun? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think the character in this, I made her be from somewhere Minnesota. Well, that yeah. I think isn't. What is Minnesota it? Minnesota is like is the coldest place in the U.S. International uh, Falls. Yeah, International yeah. Falls, Minnesota is the coldest place on, colder than, in the country. Colder than Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you think if I could have looked up the rhyming dictionary, I could have Googled coldest place in America. Maybe I did Google coldest International place Falls, in America. I feel like you could easily put into a, or like into a musical. That's, that's International, International Falls. Falls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, there's a lot more to this. Like, if you, if you just start going back into your psyche, like, if you ever seen that, uh, or not really seen it, read, I, I always say seen. Every time we talk about something we're listening to, <laughs> that book, The Awakening. I, I haven't. Well, what's the gist of it? Gist of it is, uh, spoiler alert. Uh-oh. <laughs> this lady uh, has a lot of terrible things happen to her in her life, and then she gets awakened when she goes into the water and just keeps swimming. She commits suicide, and when I read it, was so angry, <laughs> and I was the only person in class. Everyone's like, she found what she was looking for. She finally escaped all this hardship. And I was thinking, uh, What? Are you endorsing suicide? Like in a, it was a high school class, you know, and I was the, and I got in trouble for thinking. I was like, oh, she for critical thinking about why suicide might not be a I good said, thing, yeah, regardless like, of she, the story's premise. I was like, she gave up. She had kids and stuff. I was like, she gave up and she abandoned those kids, and that's messed up. And the rest of the class like chastised me. Huh? Yeah. I've I can't think of a time where I ever I was ever that one like this is bad in a class. <laughs> Whatever the left brain, right brain thing, I suck at math and science. I definitely had a physics class where I was like, this is useless, am I right? And man, people were just like, you're being a dick. This is not my story, but rather my wife's story. And she always tells the story about when she was younger. She knew Arnold LaBelle, who, you know, did the Frog and Toad stories. Oh, cool. And her family and Arnold LaBelle's family were friendly. She came to school in the States and began at a public school. And the teacher was talking about Arnold LaBelle in the present tense. Uh, Arnold LaBelle had died. He had passed away of AIDS. When the teacher was speaking about Arnold LaBelle, Robin, who couldn't have been more than seven, was like, oh, you know he's dead, right? (laughs) And the teacher was like, well, maybe he's on the sun now. Well, exactly. (laughs) So so what happened was the teacher was like, oh, what? And she's like, yeah, he's not living anymore. He's he's dead. <laughs> he died of AIDS. Oh my God! Please tell me a seven year old in a class said he died of AIDS. I think I think so. Oh, that's wow. that's. Beautiful. I think so. And so the Did teacher. She get in trouble? Of course she got in trouble. The teacher was like, uh, "We got to talk, parents." And then eventually they pulled her out of the school because she came home one day and was like, we learned about hyperbole. And her mother was like, don't you mean hyperbole? Like, I don't know. That's what the teacher said. It was hyperbole. And then she was swiftly gone and went to private school. You you guys are both from New York State. You'll get a kick out of this. uh, uh, Poughkeepsie and Brooklyn, uh, respectively. Woodstock, technically. But I I went to high school in Poughkeepsie. So it's all the Hudson Valley. It's all the same. But uh, I do remember having a fifth grade teacher when we were doing state capitals. And they were like... Um, Buffalo is the capital of New York, David. You're wrong about that. And I was just like, what? I know my teacher is wrong right now. It was the first time he broke it broke the glass ceiling. Yeah. What? <laughs> what are you doing? Pretty funny. When the, you're smarter than your teacher, 
it's a very unsettling thing, especially. Yeah, you know, listening to all this, I got to say, I could have benefited from a musical theater writing class, even like a 20-hour seminar. Uh, solar is the word. Could I could have read something about how to how to do this. And I even know that do you guys know any of the rules of musical theater cuz I know um, wait there are there are rules. Yeah. There's just one really cool one that I know of. I was just going to say got to be there's got to be prancing at some point. going <laughs> to prance by. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But, but one cool rule that actually someone pointed out to me, someone who knows their their stuff when it comes to musical theater, the first song of everything has to introduce the world. Though that's fair because uh, I think, do think you guys can you guys think of examples Well, of that? I like, do musical improv so I can state that uh there is very much a form. The narrative form ultimately has to allow the characters to be introduced or at least the world to be introduced. Great example, Lion King. Big up to John Bander who taught us that in the narrative with creating a narrative uh, form, you have Disney at the forefront of this art of which they perfected. So Simba is introduced as a child, as a cub, and you're understanding everything about this world, the circle of life. That's a perfect introduction for how the world is in this film. So that, it always starts with the opening number. Always the opening number. Yeah, the and f- I, I don't know if anyone ever famously broke that rule. I would love to have a musical oh, theater I'm person sure. be like, well, actually, in Carousel, blah, blah, blah. You Whatever. Know? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. It's one of those things that the best movies, the best books, they mask exposition. Yeah, because if they have to do it, there's going to be some point when you have to relay information to the audience that if they don't know this, they won't get what you're talking about. What you have here in your submission, David, you have an opening number. You have an opening number. You get a feel. The names of the songs that you have here are very systematic of the way that a musical form is supposed to be. Your first song is called Mindy's opening song. And then the second track is called Mindy's launch song. Uh, Mindy's what song? Launch song. Launch, like she's launching with the exactly. into space. Okay. Now, now uh, the second song that usually comes in narrative form, from my understanding, is the protagonist theme. The antagonist theme usually comes after, and maybe Jerry is the antagonist. But <laughs> protagonist, as you can see, you know, you have I Just Can't Wait to Be King going into the antagonist, Be Prepared. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. You get the protagonist's mission statement. You have the antagonist basically being like, this is my way of life. And you should get to know me because these, I'm not these, going. These to... are my dreams and wh- where I'm going to go. Exactly. Yeah. I used to serve concessions on Broadway. It was my survival job for almost three years, and I used to work at Billy Elliot a lot. And I nice. And I used to think that show had tons of songs that didn't really further much character or plot. But you people... have to fill them in. Somehow. Yeah, I guess. But people like love some of these songs with these like throw like oh, it's Grandma, talk about your childhood. This was my childhood. Back to Billy. And I'm like, what? What? What is that? And even then, I remember asking someone, and this is, you know what? Something I actually love uh, in, in in art, in all art forms. Because I was like, why is that song there? And someone's like, well, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And sometimes this stuff's got to be, I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking of Goodfellas, how they introduce all those people at, mm-hmm. at that, that bar. Like, like oh, get the papers, get the papers. Yeah, that, guy, that guy's not important to the movie. He's not, he's uh, not I'm glad movie, you bring yeah. this up. I'm it's re- a cool scene, though. I'm really glad you bring this up because this actually ties in really well with not only what we've been talking about, but perfectly the next track that we have of your Solar is the Word musical. Before we get to the fourth song, which is called The Three Girls Song, what's funny about that is that what you have in something like The Lion King... And probably like the grandma song, which I'm not sure if it is, but the charm song is traditionally 
by characters that are living within the world who are not necessarily protagonists or antagonists. They supposedly maybe help the protagonists, like in The Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa have Hakuna Matata, and that is a charm song. We have here the Three Girls song, which I'm assuming it might be have inadvertently been created because it is a charm song. Charm me. That's the thing is, I feel you you have to make the audience like the character, and sometimes that's it's some it's somewhat like an exposition. It's like make you know make them likable, and that's something that's integral to the story. Let's get charmed. Assembled and remembered our automotive past. The best time, besides wartime, our assembly line plant. Then the dawn came, a giant flame, and all of it was gone. Now infected, and now infected, never rejected the combustible engine. But suddenly, hazardly, a new contender, the kilter, coffee filter, answered to all of our fears. We loaded, we rode it all the way to heaven. We needed, always needed, our new fangled engine, resurrected and injected our new solar spirit. The coffee filter was our anchor to the center of our nature, no longer victims in this solar system. Solar system. Solar system. Can, we, can we get a harmony going on here? All right, let's solar do it. System. One solar system. system. <laughs> and uh, so when are we going to produce this? Yeah. Uh, I'll be Jerry. Well, we, mean, have, we have to work on the harmonies <laughs> in, in a little bit. In all honesty, can you guys tell me what the hell is going on in the show right now? I can't. I honestly, I, I'm struggling too when I wrote this thing <laughs> six uh, well, years ago, I, five I would, years ago. I would be curious to find out who exactly the three girls are because so I actually you the, know who Mindy is, yep. and you know who Jerry is. The three girls, so she like gets to the sun and she meets this Jerry guy, and I mm-hmm. think Jerry is like, and I'm not alone here. <laughs> There's, Check out my three girls. There's three other people who managed to build the coffee filter can rockets and get to the sun and we all want global warming back on earth too which is why we went to the sun which is what is going on solar is the word no grease is the word i know enough about musicals to know that i was inadvertently all right i guess i was inadvertently doing some things correct when it comes to writing a musical you, no you absolutely were you and absolutely and were. just ripping stuff off i mean i've seen grease i've seen like south pacific uh I saw, the, I saw the producers. Like I saw Avenue Q. I knew I knew enough. It's not like you've seen t- more musicals than I have. Yeah, but I'm pretty just, sure. Whenever I talk to people about it, they just man, some people are like walking coffee table books of just like, well, you know, Yul Brenner in 1980 was maybe dead. I actually don't know, but like they just know all the musical theater fans are like so into it. So I guess I knew some stuff, but uh, I mean, this is a to- this is totally I. I pray that at least one person who really knows this stuff, musical theater-wise, will listen to this episode of this show uh, here on Radio Free Brooklyn and just be like, yeah, man, you really had no clue what you were doing. <laughs> and just rip you to shreds. Yeah. But it's good when yeah. you're, you know, to try something you have no clue what you're doing at. Yeah. Jimmy, can you think of anything like that that you've done in your 20s? You, you that know what's like funny? That? Is I just remembered this. I don't know if I ever mentioned it, but at this point, I think it is oh, like actually 10 years old. Um, did I ever tell you about that band that me and Zach and maybe one of the person was it a grindcore band? Well, well, that we were. We, we, I wasn't. I wasn't a hardcore band called called Bear, Bear Cavalry. Very briefly, Bear Cavalry, like bears. Yeah, like okay, cool. like you riding a bear into battle. Ah. It'd be even better if it was a bear riding another bear into battle, but it was. <laughs> but it was, uh, and then no, but there was this band that we did, and it was a cover band called Coral Sex. 
Right, you, oh, I, we have mentioned that before. Yeah, I, so I got to find that. And we basically just did uh, audio covers where one person would be the singer and then one person would be the guitar. You did Bowie once, And one yeah. person would be the drum track. And we did like literally just... And like do that for three and a half minutes. Wow. And it was really bad. And ah. uh, yeah, we did... Um, we did one of the... Uh, his outer space songs. I'm trying to think exactly which one. Ziggy Stardust. Space I think it's Ziggy Stardust. Oh, he's like, okay. And um, I'm trying to think. We did like three tracks or something. I'll find them. I'll find them. You'll find them. But that you know you got to build on that. I'm guessing that led to something else that you could look back fond. There's something that you're doing recently that you could be like, oh wow, well if I hadn't done that stupid thing, then I wouldn't have done this less stupid thing that people seem to actually like. Yeah, I think it unlocked just like the idea of recording yourself. And yeah. just doing stuff because, right. you know, I, back then it, it was one of those things that, you you know, once you actually begin doing it, it's really fun and you can just take off from there. But there's always that thing of, I'm actually going to make this weird song. Like, even as a kid, you're like, this is a bad idea, but let's just do it. And later on, we'll see. You know, we'll have it. It'll I really there. wanted to include friends of mine when I was at my new school with the recording process of a project that we've talked about on the show and the wizard of zone was exactly what it sounds like a wizard of oz parody through and through using obviously some uh different characters and changing up the lyrics quite tremendously but keeping effectively the same melodies and when i was recording it again and writing a whole script i found the script the other day it's gloriously bad and couldn't even fit in its binder because uh, it was so many pages it's a, like a two hour long speaker play is what i called it and i actually saw a speaker play i called it a speaker oh, play. oh that could, that, that's not like, a radio play how old were you when you did that 14 see okay that's the best because you're just like you i just created a new genre <laughs> all right buddy it's like, the best genre it's yeah. the best genre yeah i don't know why i did the trump there i, I wrote, just uh, created a new genre i just yeah and so i uh i had written actually though um not i didn't type it out but i had assigned friends of mine to read as certain characters and only one of them in the end actually did it like i had a teacher do some of the parts i had uh, this girl in my class who was supposed to neither of them ended ended up doing it so it ended up being basically me playing all the characters at the end of the uh, the whole thing and only one other friend who i'm hoping to get on the show flynn if you're out there dude hit me up. facebook facebook you know this facebook friend with flynn uh, I, I am. Oh, you got to message him. I, I have already messaged him. Oh, really? No response? Flynn, I'm, I, I hate to do this to you, my friend, but I'm calling you out here on Radio for Brooklyn. Oh, do it, Flynn. We, 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 we need you. Out. We need you to be a part of this so we can talk about it. Because you don't remember it. I remember it. And I have the audio to prove it. We're calling you out on huh. the sound waves, Jack. Enough about that, though. <laughs> Enough. Well, the, with, part two of the Wizarder Zone will come. We still have two more tracks to play here from Solar is the Word. This is, I believe, the title track. Yeah. And, and in fact, this is the one when I sent it to you. Again, I swear to God, I listened to 20 seconds of it to be like, all right, this isn't too, too humiliating. Although it's pretty humiliating. Yeah, this is the one. Uh, wait, can I take it? Can I take a guess before we play it? It goes something like "Solar is the word." Solar is the word. Let's see if I remembered that correctly. Let's see. A sense of jubilation, orgasmical sensation, a feeling that I'll feel forevermore. His arms embraced me. His warm encased me with dirty carnal pleasure. Oh my lord. His mouth came close, full of fire, full of smoked. Pursed his fiery lips, gave me a fiery kiss. Smiled and softly said, dun, dun, dun. 
Solar is the word, solar is the word, yes, solar is the word, solar is the word, solar is the word, he said, our zillion Fahrenheit bed, happy forevermore. Nobody here feels fear, just hold each other near and smile, full of fire all the time. Doom, boom, boom, say that you'll join us for some sun-dried coitus. Up here, there's no snow, just fiery fellatio. It's hotter than Jupiter. When I feel this in your poopiter, you'll feel so alive as we all muff dive. An exotic vacation from sad masturbation. I'll just say the word, just say the word. I'll just say the word, just say the word, just say the word. Yes, just say the word. Solar is the word, solar is the word. Yes, solar is the word, solar is the word. In a world full of treasures. In a world full of treasures and maximum pleasures Coming harder than ever before, than ever before We won't need any air when we go get bare And fuck on the sun's fiery floor We'll fuck on the floor Your arms around mine basking in the sunshine This is the land I adore, land I adore But the key you see is to remember dearly the word, the word, the word, solar is, yeah, the That would be what we would call uh, either the moment of doubt or the conflict song. <laughs> I, uh, I was, I'm leaning towards conflict in a different way. Well, uh, if I'm listening correctly, I think they're saying that the sex you have on Earth is not nearly as good as the sex you have on the surface of the sun. <laughs> I mean, this is something that I think we all know deep in our hearts. <laughs> I definitely felt a sense of... I don't know why, but it made it made me think of like uh, Aquarius and like you know the age of Aquarius. Like, yeah, the age of at the very end of Forty Year Old Virgin, yeah. I was dying. That scene going into the credits was. I've never seen so Hair great. or Forty Year Old Virgin. So, in the very end of the Forty Year Old Virgin, when the Forty Year Old Virgin is de-virginized. Spoiler alert! Oh my god! No, of course, <laughs> when he um, kills himself, they, right? Spoiler, they, they spoiler go, alert! He gets laid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They go into a huge song and dance. Uh, basically doing a reprise of Aquarius, the Paul Rudd and the Seth Rogen and yeah. everybody. So everybody in the movie just gets together and sings Let the Sunshine In as the thing ends. And it's just wonderful and hokey and it just felt great. But you you felt great with him. You felt great with his character. And now, so, i got to tell you, listening to that song did not make me feel good. <laughs> listening to that song made me feel like fan fiction was put to music and it was wonderful. Yeah, fan fiction of what? Of, of just... Sun gods. Like, this is how sun gods fuck. Sun gods? Again, is this, is this oh. Jerry? Is Jupiter Jer- is Jerry, Pooper? So is Jerry. Yeah. Jupiter Pooper! <laughs> yeah, we, we need to address that. And, uh, su- said, sun-dried coitus. I said, like, <laughs> I said, like, fellatio gratio or something. <laughs> it was magnificent. That so was like uh, magnificent. Jerry David. and his, like, his, his, his harem on the sun. I guess so. <laughs> that I forgot about. I forgot that there was, like, sex on the sun in this show. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
<laughs> you have successfully not because it's it's a bad thing it's actually quite amazing how you're able to create through i mean we still have one more song here but there's still such a a fine line that you have created with all the melodies there's a very similar feeling that all the melodies have they all share a lot of the same notes a lot of the same transitions i think I was trying to go for something oh yeah but really listening to it now I'm like this is repetitive <laughs> F minus <laughs> if I had to put a grade on this F minus F minus we're talking lower than low that's yeah. what your dad would do um, I always joke that whenever he makes that voice, it's like his dad. It is, yeah. It's, uh, you know what's so weird? Jimmy's that, dad gives this an F minus. My dad doesn't have a deeper voice than me, so it's. <laughs> I always just do his voice, and he's not as Brooklyn-y as I make him out to be, but I did have a buddy of mine from Brooklyn who said that my dad was the most dangerous guy he'd ever met. Wow. <laughs> Let me ask you about your parents and uh, how they have responded to you and your career trajectory and what you've decided to do with your life and your art and they probably never heard this they may never hear it no no but obviously i mean as you've grown older they've been completely complacent and supportive of your they have been supportive and just to actually call back earlier earlier in the show they've always been very supportive of what i do and i did have uh, a one-man show about porn called vcr love which just ham-fisted it's it's actually published by original works publishing awesome um i found out that charting on amazon doesn't really mean anything through that vcr love but it was my folks seeing and loving that show like me telling all these stories about about porn and deleting internet history and st- and you know stealing porn we and, know about this and like all this stuff and, and also it also has like a message about how te- technology has made porn democratic and yada yada all this stuff but my parents seeing that show was like a new level of support really they're pretty much game with anything like that was the one i'm like oh here we go and they're like that was really funny david and you know we actually knew what you were up to (laughs) so uh yeah this is the the lotion bottles yeah exactly oh yeah so this would be no surprise to them if they heard this no i don't think it would be and if anything this would actually serve as a great example of that they would be supportive and i think they also would be good enough now to be like david this is this is incomprehensible they, 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 they'll be pretty honest too. They'll watch like videos like uh, of me doing doing like a, a storytelling show at a comedy club, and they'll be like, "Ah, it wasn't really that funny to me," you know. But at the same time, yes, they they've been very supportive and very honest. And uh, the show I mentioned before is a big example of that. And I think if they were to hear this, and they might maybe listen. To, to this episode we're saying right now they mm-hmm. would be they would be cool with it and and probably tell me that this is a crappy idea that i had <laughs> let's let's hear how you close it out with... all right let's solar is the word let's do it this is called the heat run your faucet while you're brushing your teeth drive all day in your suv Burn leaves in your yard, use diesel in your car, eat a lot of red meat, spray aerosol on your feet, leave on each and every light, let corporations win the fight, pour motor oil right down the drain, don't buy local, it's all in vain, cause humans can handle the heat. Humans can handle the heat 
Humans can handle the heat. Humans can handle the heat. What do we want? Warming. When do we want it now? What do we want? Warming. When do we want it now? Now. 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 Right now. Turn up the heat. Turn up the heat. It's more fun when you turn up the heat. We got the beat. We got the beat. You'll get the beat when you turn up the heat. Warming is good. Warming is grand. All year spring break run around in the sand. The sun may be grand, but you can make it a home if you turn up the heat. I turn up the heat to the things we say so we can turn up the heat. Warming, 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 warming. W A R M I N G. It's crazy to you, but it's a party to me. I'm talking warming, 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 warming. Warming, 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 warming. We can turn Mother Earth into the sun, the sun, fiery golden sun. No pain, no tears, no oil and gears. Only warmth, only warmth. Only warmth, only warmth, only warmth. There it is, the world's greatest pro-global warming musical. And possibly only. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there may be more. I would love to hear another guy. It's a concept that could be done well, uh, not anything you just heard uh, with, uh, see, is it reprise or reprise? I think it's reprise, right? All I know is, yes, I did have one of those things there. But dear God, so drawn out. So basically, uh, you, you, what you do is if you live in a cold place, you build a rocket and you go to the sun and you find out that you have better sex on the sun. And then you go back and you tell everyone on Earth, Yo, guys, global warming's good, so you need to speed it along. Yo, exactly. It's hot up gonna there, be guys. Better. Yeah, yeah. That's the message of solar is the word. Say, hey, how, is your sex bad and are you cold? <laughs> oh, boy. Then maybe this is for you. Got an extra coffee can? Because I know you like a cup of joe in the morning, so we can make this happen. Again, as somebody who has written his own musical before, I'm envious of somebody who can, regardless of how old you are, create something that is your own. And yeah, okay, sure, it's a little embarrassing when you look back and you listen back to it, but it's still nevertheless your own. You created it. That get, I'm sure you guys get this a lot on the show. Giving it a shot, absolutely trying at least, playing a hand, and then being like, uh, maybe another hand would be better. Well, we were happy to listen to it. Yeah, and this is what the show is all about. So thank you so much for coming yeah, out, thanks man. Thanks for having you owe, me on. You owe us more old, older audio. Yeah. Next you, time you're on the show, yeah, cassette. find that. Go back to Virginia, sir. Find yes. yourself a tape. Where can we see you next? Uh, September 12th at the bookstore? At- uh, September 1st. We actually switched to first Thursdays at the Astoria Bookshop. My apologies. And uh, my next one-man show, uh, I've been doing this a while. It's called No Odd Job. It's stories about video games. September 15th at the Pit Underground. 
Yeah, 8.30, the pit underground. No odd job. And you and I will be performing together, I believe, uh, at Videology next month Mm -hmm. at um, VHS Presents. Yeah, the last Saturday in September 24th, we're going to be doing VHS Presents together. And I'm DT Lawson, DTLAWSON.com, and at DT Lawson on Twitter. Dave Lawson, everybody, on Lost and Rewound. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We got to go. And we got another great addition coming to you next week. Right here at Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Take care. Solar System.